Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It's an important truth that once Christmas Day has passed, we often forget, or at least we don't always give it a whole lot of consideration as, shall we say, life as we know it returns to normal with the end of the holiday season and the arrival of a new year. That baby who was born in the manger, the one whose coming was greeted by angel song and proclaimed to shepherds, the baby who inspired wise men to follow a star and then go home by another way, that baby, the one named Jesus, Emmanuel, well, that baby, he grew up. But even before he was the teacher, the healer, the friend and savior we have come to know, first he was a child. And even as a child, Jesus had something to teach us. And that's the subject of today's message. That's taken from Luke's Gospel in chapter 2, verses 39 through 52, and is entitled, The Lost Christ. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. That's what Luke tells us in his gospel. But as far as I'm concerned, it does absolutely nothing to satisfy my curiosity. Actually, you know, one of my great fascinations involving the gospel story has always been that of which we know very little. How Jesus, our Christ, grew from that tiny, helpless baby in the manger to a 30-year-old carpenter from Nazareth who came preaching salvation and the coming of God's kingdom. I wonder, for instance, if Jesus was ever a fussy baby. Was he colicky? What did he like to eat? And did he have a special toy, a, a blanket, what we used to call a lovey, that he clung to every night? What made him smile? What made him laugh? Was he ticklish? And did Jesus work and play well with other children? Did Jesus go through the terrible twos? And I wonder, how did Mary and Joseph react when he misbehaved? Knowing what they did, could the two of them treat Jesus like any other child? Would Joseph give him a stern talking to? Could there even have been a little pat on the backside when he needed I mean, how do you discipline the Son of God? And while we're on the subject, I've always wondered, was Jesus at all rebellious as a teenager? Did he really enjoy working alongside Joseph in the carpenter shop? I remember singing songs about that in Sunday school. And I wonder, and it always showed, always described Jesus so dutifully, standing there beside his father making items at the carpenter's workshop, I wonder, did he really like that? Or would he have rather been out with his friends? Did he ever, as teenagers are wont to do, mouth off a little bit to Joseph? I know, these are small questions, and, and I'll admit they're probably a bit impertinent. But I do wonder about such things. Because in all honesty, these are the questions that bring Jesus nearer to me in my life. For me, Thinking about Jesus this way makes him human as well as divine. 
And I can wrap my mind and my heart around that. And I take solace in knowing that I'm not alone in my wondering. Biblical scholars, to say nothing of novelists and poets and artists throughout the centuries, have long speculated on this subject. In the end, however, all we really have is speculation. Because it turns out that we really don't know all that much about Jesus' childhood and his youth. In fact, one of the only stories we do have about Jesus during this period is the one that we just shared regarding an incident that occurred when Jesus was about 12 years old as he joined Mary and Joseph and a great caravan of other families from Nazareth on a trip to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Now actually, that in and of itself tells us a great deal. That Jesus was raised in the rich Hebrew tradition of his family and his community. You see, not only was it Jewish law that every male Israelite living within 15 miles of Jerusalem attend the festival of Passover there, it was also customary and a privilege for young growing boys to make their appearance there as part of their passage to adulthood. So at age 12, this was probably one of the first times that Jesus made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem as required by law. And that's significant for our understanding of who Jesus was and also our understanding of the history and tradition of which he was a part. But what's even more significant about this story comes in what happened following the feast itself. For according to Luke, what we learn is that Mary and Joseph had in fact lost Jesus. Now to be fair, it was nobody's fault. And anyone, especially parents, can understand how such a thing could have happened. You see, as regards these large caravans traveling to Jerusalem, the tradition of the time was for the women and children to start out on the journey earlier than the men did. This was because the women and the children tended to travel more slowly. The men, they would start out later in the day. They would be moving at a faster pace, and at the end of the day, the men and the women would meet in the place of encampment at more or less the same time. This was also how, after the Passover celebration, they would make their way back to Nazareth. But what happened is that Mary assumed that Jesus, having nearly reached the age of manhood, was with Joseph and the other men. And Joseph, on the other hand, assumed that Jesus, that since Jesus was not around, that the boy was surely with his mother. It wasn't until after nightfall, when they'd set up camp for the night, that Mary and Joseph realized, much to their horror, that Jesus was still back in Jerusalem. And so what else could they do but turn around, leave the caravan, and go back by themselves a day's journey to Jerusalem so they could find Jesus? So you see, it was an honest mistake. Mary and Joseph were not lax in their parental duties, nor were they in any way neglectful of their child. But the fact remains that quite without their knowledge, they had lost Jesus, and they'd gone on for quite some time without even realizing they'd lost Jesus. <coughs> when you think about it, it's actually quite a parable. 
Here were Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, who, these two young people who had brought their child into the world in a cold, dark stable, who willingly become refugees so to protect him from the murderous rage of King Herod, who'd in fact let their lives become so completely altered for the sake of God's own son. We look at Mary and Joseph, and we can't help but marvel at their love and their devotion to Jesus, and yet the fact remains they still lost their son. They still lost Jesus. And here's where it becomes a parable. Because, friends, if it's possible for Mary and Joseph to lose Jesus, however unintentionally, then it's also possible for you and me to lose him as well. Truth is, it can happen all too easily. We're walking what we're thinking is the sure and certain pace of the Christian walk. Uh, we're moving along on what feels like a good and spiritual pathway for our lives. And then suddenly we look up to notice that Jesus uh, just doesn't seem to be there. That's the irony of it, friends. We can be good, loving, faithful Christian people in just about every sense of the word. We're, we're part of a church, and we worship regularly. We involve ourselves in the church's ministry and outreach. And we do good things out in the places where we dwell, and we do so out of our faith. We give of ourselves spiritually, physically, financially, you name it. And we do it all with love and as an act of praise and devotion. And yet still, somehow, we manage to have lost Christ somewhere along the way. How it happens, it's hard to say. No doubt... Jesus had been at the center of it at one point or another. But now, even amidst all the so-called religious activity, there's a palpable sense of emptiness. Maybe the meaning and the purpose of what we were doing got overshadowed by the work of it. That is, our need to get the job done. So it had become less about the faith response than it was in dealing with just another obligation in our lives. Or maybe it's simply that we stop paying attention to the movement of God's Spirit in our lives. To the point where now, at least where a Christian life is concerned, we're kind of just going through the motions. However it happens, the fact is that it can happen, and it does happen. And therein lay the question for each of us as we look around at our lives and our living. As we reflect on how this gift of divine love we've been given defines us and, and how it is that we live. Is Jesus there? And if not, then where is he? Can it be said of us that we, in fact, have lost Christ? Of course, our story this morning has a happy ending. Mary and Joseph find Jesus at the temple talking with and asking questions of the teachers there regarding matters of law and tradition and, and theology. In fact, we're told 
uh, in Luke's Gospel that all who heard Jesus were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now this is all very well and good, wonderful in fact, but as you can imagine, his parents are still pretty upset, and, and understandably so. Mary says to her son, child, and notice suddenly it's child, why have you treated us like this? Didn't you know we'd be worried? We've been looking for you all day. We had to come all the way back here just to find you. What have you got to say for yourself, young man? And to this, Jesus very calmly replies, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now Luke goes on to say that they did not understand what he had said to them. But biblical scholars and theologians make the case that Jesus, even then, knew who he was. But even more than this, I think Jesus knew where he had to go. Even at the age of 12, think about that, age 12, Jesus understood that a life of faith is a, a life of seeking. Always seeking, always asking questions, always wanting to know a little bit more than what you knew before. It's about growing in wisdom as well as in years. But growing ever and always in the company of God, who is there before you and beside you and walking with you. Friends, I ask you this morning, how can we really know God if we don't take the time to be with God? How can we live for Christ if, in fact, we don't seek to bring Christ near? How can we know which way to walk on this Christian pilgrimage we're on if we don't take the time to ask for directions in prayer? Or at least to pause along the journey so to reflect on where we come from and also on where we're headed. How can we call ourselves faithful when we don't seek a deeper understanding of what that faith means? Or, to put it another way, how can we know the answers if first we don't ask the questions? I think that even as a child, our Lord understood that though God actively seeks us out where we are, we need to be seeking God. And seeking God begins with an incredible lifelong walk with Jesus. And if then along the way we find that we've lost Jesus, or perhaps more accurately we've misplaced him, the good news is that he can be found. It oftentimes takes some rather intentional searching on our parts. It certainly requires getting out of our own way for a little while. And by that, I mean rearranging some of the priorities that might well have taken a stranglehold on our lives. It means asking questions, sometimes very hard questions, not only of ourselves, but also of God. But then prayerfully deliberately and intently listening to God for an answer. What we're talking about here is spiritual discipline. But in such a discipline, you see, becomes this 
remarkable discovery that not only have we found Jesus, but that all along Jesus was waiting, actively waiting, for us to find him. All along the journey, no matter what direction we veered off on that pathway, the good news is that Christ has been waiting, patiently, lovingly, relentlessly, actively waiting for us to find him. Truly, this is the gift of every Christmas. And it is the blessing of each and every new year, most especially this new year of 2021, that even when we somehow manage to lose him, Jesus is ever and always there to be found. It's like that little phrase you'll see printed on cards and signs and even t-shirts this time of year, usually accompanied by a picture of a manger, a star, and perhaps a camel or two. Wise men still seek him. Wise men, wise women, wise children, we would all do well to live our lives searching diligently for the child in the places where we dwell. Because I will guarantee you one thing, beloved. If we look, we'll surely find the child who's been waiting there for us all along. My friends, may you have a blessed and happy new year in the presence and blessing of Jesus Christ. And in everything this year, may our thanks be to God. Amen. And amen. And that, complete with all the ticking and chiming from our living room clocks, is the message entitled, The Lost Christ. It was recorded as part of our online service of worship on January the 3rd, 2021, our very first service of this new year. And of course, all through this year, consider yourself cordially invited to join us live for our East Church worship by logging on to Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We would love to have you be a part of our extended church family in this new year. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, Happy New Year, and may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.